0: Well, in the passage that we read this morning, um, Paul is dealing with a problem. Now, the problem is that the cheapest food in the market was the food that was more likely to be bought by the people of low income. The problem was that this food had been previously offered to idols. So the question is, was it right for people to buy and eat this food if they we're believers. Now this is a passage that we could look at in a lot more detail at another time. But this morning, I want us to think about some of the important reminders that Paul will bring to us in this passage. And they are reminders about who God is. You see, these people are believers. And in order for them to deal with this problem, One of the things they need to know is who's who's in charge? Who is God? Every father is unique. Whatever our circumstances, this is a fact of life. We only have one biological father. Today is Father's Day and this is something that we all here have in common, that we all have or have had one biological father. In the same way, there is only one God the Father. In Hebrews 12 verse 9, moreover we have all had human fathers who are who discipline us and we respect them for it, how much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? You see, in this little verse here, we're encouraged to respect our earthly fathers. But the sad thing is that we can't always do that. Respect doesn't come just because somebody has the title of being a father. Respect only comes when they act as a father should act. It's important that we know who God, our father, is. The relationship that we have with our biological father can range from admiration, even to abandonment, And the mere mention of the word father might bring disturbing thoughts to many people today because of the world that we live in, because of who we are. You know, I never really knew my biological father. He died when I was young, so I never actually knew him. But we're going to look at this passage. And 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 to 3, and you might have thought, well, this is a strange passage to, to talk about on Father's Day. But I think it's very relevant because the things in this passage that Paul is dealing with are the same things that whatever our situation in life might be, we need to know and deal with them in a basic way. And one of those basic things is to know that God is our Heavenly Father. I know about food sacrificed to idols, and we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowing puffs up while love builds up. What's Paul saying here? He's saying, look, this, this situation you've got to deal with, you've got to sort of put your pride aside, pride in what you think is right. And then you've got to apply love. And they are the two things that we need. And then he goes on, he says, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. What he's saying there is, we need knowledge, we don't know everything. And so we've got to apply the knowledge that God has given us to whatever situation we are in. We've got to apply love, we've got to apply consideration. And we've also sometimes, sometimes, got to put away our pride. We're always learning But this verse 3 is the verse that I want us to think about this morning. Verse 3 But whoever loves God is known by God. Grab hold of that thought. Keep it with you as we go through this passage. But whoever loves God, okay, that person is known by God. What have you got there? One word. I won't ask you to put your hand up, but the word is relationship. Keep hold of that as well. Relationship. So here's a question. Do you love God? Now I don't mean do you love the idea that there is a God. You see, when Paul is, what Paul is doing here is reminding the believers that many people in Corinth, that city where they live, are believing in what they call gods. And they're no gods at all. They are things that they make into objects of worship. That's what they call gods. And Paul is reminding these believers that there's only one God. And he goes on in verse 4 and verse 5. So then, like Paul, the way he talks. The well, you way know, he makes you think, doesn't he? I've said that, now think about it. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. Get that. I think you know why I'm coming to this passage now, don't you? And then he goes on in verse 5. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth... As indeed there are many gods and many idols. What he's you say here? There are many so-called gods. People that take things and they make them into their God. There are many lords. There are many people that people will follow. they want to be like them. And they will, yeah, they will worship them. But they're not God. So here's the second question. Do you know that there is only one God? Well, let's find out. We can go right back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There you go. One God. Okay, we know that this is something we struggle with, but it's true that one God is three in one God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But it's only one God. I don't understand that completely. I haven't even got the mental capacity to do that. I do wanna hear it. But it's true. How do I know it's true? Because we see the evidence of it all the way through our Bibles. We see the evidence of it in his people, those who come to him as God, their father. We see the evidence of it in the world that God created. And Malachi 2 verse 10. Do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenants of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? It's good, isn't it? Way back in Malachi. So I ask again the question I asked before. Do you love God? Do you love God, the one true God? I ask that because whether you do or you don't, God loves you. When John tells us in the gospel that God loved the world, he says, God so loved the world. We pass over those words very quickly. And I want us to just stop for a moment and look again at what John said in his gospel. He said that God so loved the world, No, he didn't. He said that God so loved the world. Yet, that this is an expression of the amount of children with the guy. I love you till to the moon and back. Does it mean we don't know what to say? I love you like I'm going to say something. And, and here, John hasn't really got the words to say it, so he just says, so much. How much do you love me? To the moon and back, no, how much do you love me? I love you so much. Get that? You really get that? He's telling us in those few words something that is almost possible to say. Stuart Townsend, in his song, really well. I'm just going to quote one of his verses. Think about it in the context of what we're looking at this morning. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch treasure. How great the pain, the, the searing loss the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory God so loves us you know just there also John said he love the world <laughs> that's a big love that that is a big love that is the world that's everybody Who's ever been in the world who is in the world you and i and who will be in the world so much so big we sing the songs with the children don't we you know so high so low so wide you can't get over you can't go around it this is god's love for you notice in the hymn Stuart townsend refers to god the father I've another question. You're like a school teacher here. Mm-hmm. Question day to day. Do you know God as your Father? Back to Corinthians 8, 6 verses that we read, verse 6. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. In answer to the question, do you know God, God as your father? You wanna go outside, and ask it as people pass by. Do you know God as your father? Many people will say, yeah, we're all God's children. That's the answer you'll get. Do you know God as your father? Yes. Why? Well, we're all God's children. So therefore, he must be our father. You know, in the context we're looking at, that is not strictly true. When the Apostle Paul was in Athens, he was speaking about Jesus, and the people were confused. These are very religious people. And Paul has come with a message from God. And they're confused. Paul walks around that city. He takes note of what he sees. And then he talks to them about what they know, what he knows, and what they see, what he sees. And he says in Acts 17 verse 23, For I was walking around and looking carefully at the objects that you worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So, you're ignorant of the very thing you're worshipping. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Yeah. know? Paul took this as an opportunity to introduce them to the one true God. He goes on in Acts and he says, For in him now he's speaking about the one true God. Amongst all these other so-called gods that are being worshipped by these people in Athens. They recognize the news of God. It talks about this one true God. For in him we live and more and have. Let's go with him. For him we live and move. And have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Okay. You'll have to confirm in that God is the creator. About this one God that they don't know, this one God that we don't know. This is the Creator God. He then continues to tell them that the only way to have a true, is that word we looked at before, relationship with God is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this happens when we can know God as our Father. See, as creator, God has brought it into this existence, but that doesn't mean that we have what we might call a father son or father daughter relationship with Him. You get the difference now. You see where we're coming from. You see the importance of these words that Paul is sharing with these people in Athens. So, I've had another question. <laughs> Do you know how God can become your father? Or do you know how God has become your father? You know, we're not born into a father, son, father, daughter relationship with God. God must rescue us from the situation we're in. And he does that by taking us back to himself. The word adoption is used a lot. And it's because it's very hard to express what God is doing here. It's like we always use the example of you take something that's yours and you put it in what used to be the pawn shop. And it's always yours but you can't have it. Might be your watch but you can't have a relationship with your watch You see what time it is but it's yours. It's in the pawn shop. You, what you have to do to get it back you have to go and pay for it you have to go and pay for what is yours to get it back and that's a little bit like what god is doing here he's adopting us he's our father and he's buying us back to that relationship that we can have with him and when we do that we receive the right right to be called god's children john 1 verse 12 and 13 Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Of you children of God? God is your father. Do you get that? Are you with me on this where I'm coming from? And it goes on in, 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 in John's Gospel. He says this, he says, children born not of natural descent, not of human decision as a husband's will, but born of God. I said earlier, my dad died. My biological father died when I was young. I never really knew him. But I did have a man who became my father, who I called dad. That's when my mum remarried. And so, this, my dad called Richard, who died, my biological dad. But this other man, really became my father this is why jesus said i love it the way the bible fits together you know as some people say when you're preaching you shouldn't jump about from verse to verse passage to passage but sometimes we should because it's all part of the same picture This is why Jesus said to, you know who you're going to say now, don't you? This is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Have you got that? All of what we've been looking at, this explains why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You've already been born once to your mum and dad. But listen, you're really mine. This is God speaking now. This is Jesus speaking as God. Nicodemus, you're really mine. But I can't be your, your father because circumstances won't let me. We've got to do something and you can't do anything. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, right, go and read the scriptures. You know the scriptures. You go and read them. You go and sort it out. That's great, isn't it? He didn't just give him a, 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 you know. He said, you know, you already know. You go and find out. And he did. And he was born again. It's time for the Spirit. And you can read that after the crucifixion. It is our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that enables us to be able to call God our Father. Not just to say, well, He made me, so He must be me, Father. No. Hebrews 2, verse 10 and 13. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory. I like that. We're all included. You know, when it talks about men, it very often means mankind. And here, it's just qualifying it. Bringing many sons and daughters to glory. It was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of our salvation perfect through what he suffered. This is Jesus the writer to the Hebrews is speaking about, and he goes on in verse 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Good morning, brother. Good morning, sister. That's That's why we say that. That's what Jesus says. He says, this is verse 12, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly I will sing your praise. And again I will put my trust in him. And again he says, here am I. And the children God has given me. The father, son, father, daughter. Relationship that you have when God is your father through what Jesus did. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. Go back to Paul again as we draw towards a close. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. This is what we have. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens? Through whom we have gained access. How? By faith into his grace, where are we in which we now stand? And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is the relationship that we can have with God our Father when we come to him in the name of Jesus. Romans 8, 5, verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. (laughs) That's that word again the way it fits together and in him we cry go on i'm sure you can finish it off abba father abba father the word abba yeah you've heard it described many times it is uh, speaking of a special relationship between the child and their father And you have the picture of, you know, the the little child who comes and says, Daddy or Mummy. You know, that that word, which is a word that says, I really trust you, I really need you. And we have that special relationship that no one else can have. You've all, you know, I'm sure, experienced something like that. That special relationship that no one else can have. On a human level, it would be like using the word daddy, papa but, you know it's far more important than that none you noticed it that relationship that we have as a believer in the greatest time of need of the one who was the son of God in the garden of Gethsemane he called out to his Father, Father God, and he prayed. Listen to what Mark said when he speaks about that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, just prior to the crucifixion. He read in Mark 14, verse 35 and 36. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him, Abba, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take the cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Yes, on a human level, the child with his biological father or his adopted father, whatever that relationship is, it is a good illustration, but the better illustration is that Jesus himself to god his father jesus who is god and use the words our father and what did he say your will not mine that's very often what a child will say when they come to the father and they're saying i really want to want this daddy but it's up to you We're encouraged to to speak to our Father. What is our Father like? Well, just as we draw to a close, so many passages I could turn to here. Uh, I've taken Psalm 68, verse 4 and 6. Listen to this. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him his name is the lord a father to the fatherless a defender of the widows this is god in his holy dwelling god sends the lonely he sets the lonelier families he leads out the prisoner with singing but the rebellious live in a sun scorched land excuse me, Quick words of praise there, but a little word of warning as well. Isaiah 64, 8, 9. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. These are those who are God's people who have God as their father because of what Jesus did. And in that new life, we are clay in the potter's hands. And he will mold us, you and I. I'm going to finish reading with uh, the words of Matthew 6 verse 9. And I'm just gonna say these, but maybe you could pray them, because this is the pattern that we should pray. It's known as the Lord's Prayer, it's really the Disciples' Prayer. This is what Jesus said, pray in this manner, and he starts off with, Our Father, and then we're reminded of who he is. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Reminded of his will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Reminded of his provision, give us this day our daily bread. Reminded of his grace, and forgive us our trespasses. Remind us of how we should live as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, and be it forever and ever. Amen. Just before I close, a little word of warning. If you do not trust Jesus as your Saviour, our relationship with God is merely that of creature to creator. And we will stand before him not as our Father, as the Father, the one and only Father, we will also be the judge for our simple nature. Just pray, our oh, Father, we just come before you now in these few closing moments and ask your blessing upon us that we will think about the words we've heard, and we will recognise the your words. And our oh, Father, we pray that you will just maybe challenge us if we need challenging. Encourage us because we all need to be encouraged. And our Father, help us to rejoice in the fact that you are our Father who is God. We come in the name of Jesus.